Welcome to Follow Your Curiosity, where we explore the inner workings of the creative process. I'm your host, Nancy Norbeck. Lowry Olofsson knew from a young age that he wanted to be a musician, and like so many other aspiring musicians, had to figure out how to make it work. And he did. He has released nine albums and performed around the world. He is also the founder and creator of Power Songs, deeply meaningful personal songs for a wide range of individuals and groups, and Power Songs Pro for businesses and other organizations. Lowry talks with me about the moment that changed his perspective on his musical prospects, immersing himself in the musical scene in Perth, Australia, how he developed the idea of power songs and how he's created them for individuals and school groups, and just why they make such a lasting impression on his clients. Here's my conversation with Lowry Olofsson. Lowry, welcome to Follow Your Curiosity. Thank you so much, Nancy. It's wonderful to be here. So I start everybody off with the same question, which is, were you a super creative kid or did you discover your creative side later on? Well, you know, that's a funny question because I was, I came from quite a musical family. So, you know, we all had to, my mom was a piano teacher and we all had to take piano lessons. And then I switched to violin at nine and I then I started playing guitar when I was kind of 11. And I guess I was writing, I started writing songs then. I wouldn't have said that, you know, coming up through the conservatory classical stuff, I wouldn't have said I was particularly creative. I mean, I went into musical theater stuff when there was chances as a kid to be in the line of chorus, you know, the street chorus boys or whatever in grade four. I did that. I don't know if you consider that to be creative, but I sure loved music and I sure loved the arts. And I guess, yeah, once I started writing my own songs and that was, um, that was pretty creative. (laughs) Yeah. I think I definitely call you a creative kid. Yeah. Okay. You sound a lot like my brother who can, seems like anyway, that he can just pick up any instrument he wants and play it. And I often look at him and say, that's disgusting. It's not fair. (laughs) No, I'm not, I'm not that disgusting. You know, I've learned, I'm struggling, I I pound away on plunk on my piano and, uh, but, you know, I took lessons on stuff and. Yeah, he's taken lessons too, but some stuff he just seems to manage to pick up out of the blue, which is. No, I hate him. I hate him already. (laughs) (laughs) So you said your family was really musical. Was it just your mother or. Uh, No, my dad was musical too. Uh, He played the saxophone. He was an engineer. But he played the sax, and they were um, they'd come, you know, uh, come from a prairie background. So that was in those days uh, was people made their own music. So Dad played in a dance band when he was a kid, and he would have played sax and stuff on you know the Saturday night dances. And Mom had a degree in music, so hers. But but we I remember all the time we had these sing songs around the piano all the time. It was kind of pre-TV, you know, I'm pretty old. I'm, I'll be 69 this month. So uh, it was, and I'm the youngest of my family. So that was a, you know, something that we, a way of entertaining that there was a lot of people made their own music much more, I think, in, for sure in my parents' generation, but even to a certain extent in in my own. Um, yeah. So what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> That's the rest of your family being musical. Oh yeah, so they all they all kind of did the classical stuff. You know, they did they 
and there was nothing creative about you know i mean i just really disagree with the way that they teach uh, prioritize reading music as the first thing that the gateway to learning to being a, allowed to play music i mean it just makes no sense it's like saying okay well you can't speak until you can read right and you know you don't you can't you can't just say whatever's on your mind you have to read something that somebody brilliant wrote before you i mean it just doesn't make sense and and for people to have this page between you and the music just doesn't make any sense right i mean music is like you just pull it out of the ear out of the air you know have a nice day right <laughs> i mean how hard is that yeah yeah that's interesting because you're reminding me of the way that i've always had an issue with the way shakespeare is taught like why do you have to read it it's a play you should see it and you should experience it and hear it and odds are good you'll understand it more than if you try to read it anyway and the example that i've always given people is you know i wouldn't hand you a beethoven score and say go home and read this you can't listen to it just go home and read it and then we'll come yeah. and talk about it tomorrow yeah so yeah. oh that's really interesting so would you like to see it taught as an oral tradition then more shakespeare i always had when i was teaching and even a little bit before i was teaching i had this idea that you know somehow to work with local theater groups or something like that and get them to actually come in and do an interactive shakespeare experience yeah and you know some of it so that kids can watch it and sometimes get the kids in it you know and and just playing around with it because i think half the reason that people are scared of it is that they're told they have to go home and read it well it sure destroys the playfulness Mm -hmm. it, right? I mean, that's what I'm trying to get back into in my own songwriting and in my own creativity is just allowing myself just to play because, you know, even with all the stuff I've done, uh, you know, I still have such a critical kind of judgmental side when it comes to my own creations and I don't like it, mm -hmm. you know, so I think that page takes it out of the body and puts it into your intellect, right? It's, you know, it's what I love about about songs is that, I mean, it, it's kind of like the, with these power songs that I do, it's, you know, affirmations are, are completely cerebral and, and all of the kind of negative stuff that we get into is all, these are all th thoughts that we buy into. And it's like, okay, you know, stop thinking and how and get into your body i mean that's where you know you can feel stuff and you can be centered and calm and and where your power where your presence is right and so we don't want to be cut off at the neck and yet yeah. these these you know reading stuff puts you into your head you know it's and the head is is like that's just feeding all of the critic inner critic man we don't need to give him any ammunition <laughs> It's true, though. It really is. It's you're reminding me that, you know, this past spring and I did a pep talk episode about this right afterwards. I was babysitting my nephews overnight and the older one. Well, they both had a piano recital coming up, but the older one was doing a duet of Hey Jude. Oh. And I promised that I would try to go over it with him, even though, you know, my last piano lesson was when I was in sixth grade. But, you know, he was he was really trying you know to to do the top part but there were rhythms and things that he didn't quite get and i i looked at him and i thought okay i can tell who the singers are and aren't in this family 
Because I said, you don't really know this song, do you? I said, let's go listen to it. And because and cause first he said, yeah, I'll ask mama if we could listen to it when she gets back. I'm like, we don't need to wait. We can do it now. <laughs> and then, you know, I said, after we went, we listened to it once, I said, go over to the piano and get daddy's book of Beatles music because we're going to sing it and you need the words. And so we played it again and we sang along with it and we did it a couple of times because I was like, if you can't sing it, you know, uh-huh. I think the fastest way to, to get something into you is to sing it. And yeah, yeah. so, you know, and, and we did that a couple of times and he was a, he was a great sport for a nine year old kid, you know, but yeah. and and then then it started to come together a little bit better. And it was just, yeah, you know, you got to You got to get it into you. You can't just yeah read your way through it like you were saying. Yeah, well, you kind of make it your own that way. You embody it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, that word embody, I think, is, um, you know, it, it's a good one. Because, you know, what, one of the things that I like doing when I perform is is just, like, not singing the same the song, not consciously, but you just sing the song in whatever, however it feels. And so sometimes you might sing, a, a, but you're not doing it with, you know, a forte and a Pianissimo. What is it? Pia. Pianissimo. Pianissimo. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, like I mean, t- to me, it's that level of instruction is like, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty directive. You know, for you. Okay, now feel angst. Now feel. You know what I mean? Now get louder to express this. But you know, you might actually get the same thing by being quieter, or you might feel that you want to be quieter, and you know, you can do all these. You know these nuances, and when you're singing the same old "Hey Jude," you know, or maybe it's you know "Hey Jude," don't make it bad, right? I mean, it's just endless stuff when you're just expressing yourself, right? That and and so that's for me. I just really admire people that are super free and expressive in their performance, right? And I think everybody loves that, like people, yeah. Just, you know, people just relate so much to people that are free in their expression because most people aren't. Right. Right. And as you're saying this, like I, I've been singing in choirs since I was about four. And so, you know, for choral music, you kind of have to pay attention to the dynamics and the speeds and, and all of that stuff. But at the same time, you still don't know what's going to happen each time because you don't know what the conductor is going to do. Right. Which is why conductors will constantly yell at you to pay attention to what they're doing, because if right. only half the choir notices that they're saying, be really quiet right now, right. it doesn't work so well. But, you know, you are essentially the instrument in that case, and the conductor is is playing yeah. you collectively. So it's still it still kind of comes out in the same way, but differently. <laughs> yeah, I think because then you're being... I mean, I can see where that's legitimate because then you're working as a unit and you're going with mm-hmm. the vision of the conductor. You know, if you're singing alone, you don't, it's your vision. You can just right. you know, do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So, so let's back up a little bit. Um, you talked about taking piano lessons from your mom, which, how did that well, go? I didn't actually, she took, she didn't want to teach us herself. So we went to Mrs. Rudichuk. Oh, this, okay. Mrs. Rudichuk was like the worst. She had <laughs> flaming red hair and she would sit and put on this lipstick all the way through the lesson that just keep adding more and more red, <laughs> bright red 
lipstick. And then, you know, if you made him and yawn constantly throughout your lesson, I mean, she couldn't have been worse. And and then wow. if you made a mistake, you know, she'd wrap your knuckles literally with the ruler. I mean, she was just the worst, right? And um, wow. we just all hated her. And finally, on my my fourth, my ninth birthday, I said to mom, you, you know, grandpa's violin is sitting in the hall closet. You know what? <laughs> I would be willing to forego my piano lessons and, you know, and, you know, I feel like a piece of our family's history is being lost and someone should play that violin. So she let me switch. So, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, she, I'm sure she was pretty tuned into what a terrible teacher she was, but, you know, imagine, you know, yeah. having, putting kids and then every day it was like half an hour in the morning and the piano was going nonstop because there was four kids and we all had to do these lessons and my dad would practice with me or my grandfather would practice and they'd count it out. And it was, you know, it was Ooh. just like, I hated it. Yeah. You know, there was, it was the most joyless exposure to music, you know? So when I started, but then my violin teacher was nicer. I liked him. And it was, you know, and it, but it, that was only good till I was about 12. And, and then I just started losing interest because like with the guitar, I'd started playing guitar on my own and I was just teaching myself and it was like, nobody cared if I practiced or not. Right. And it was totally just me, but I, I played, you know, I was listening to stuff and I could sing along with the violin. I couldn't play anything without music on the violin. I was like, I had, I had that was my best instrument. I reached a certain level of ability on that, and yet I couldn't have played "Happy Birthday" without the music. And um, and it plus, you know, when you're like 13, 12, 13, it's not cool anymore. Uh, well, you know, it's definitely not cool. And so I just, you know, I just wanted to quit. And eventually, it took until I was like 15 before my dad finally let me quit. But then I quit for. Uh, like nine years or 10 years. And and then I went, I was going traveling like on a world trip and I thought, okay, well, maybe this would be a good chance to learn to pick up violin again. And I'll learn this time by ear and I won't play by, you know, music. And so I bought another violin and I took it with me and I just started to play, make stuff up and learned a few fiddle tunes. But what I really loved doing was accompanying other singers. That's what, that was the thing that really turned me on. And so you know, now I have a really nice relationship with the instrument because I did at least have a decent grounding in it, you know, but I don't have a lot of reason to play it except, you know, once in a while I'll do maybe one thing at a show or something like that, but mostly I'm a singer songwriter. So, uh, you know, I don't get that much chance to play it, but I love it. And, uh, I continue to develop, you know, my skills. So it's mostly guitar these days. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a wonder after that piano experience that you kept oh, doing yeah. music at all. Yeah, no, it it was in my blood. I mean, like I remember when I was three years old, trying to whistle and imitate the meadowlarks, and you know, my dad whistled oh, all the time. Like, I mean, music was in my blood from day one. Yeah. Are are your siblings the same way? Not to the same degree. I mean, uh, they all play, but you know, they still are. They're all very much in that kind of like. The typing kind of approach to music and and try as I might, I can't get them to. It's like, come on, you guys! Like, it should sound nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. Like the goal is not to make it play stuff out of your ability. The goal is to play stuff 
that you, like it should be a pleasant experience for those around you you know <laughs> so yeah yeah and, and you know i remember like when when i was at at bucknell in, in college i i i went to my i picked my college for its choir which sadly no longer exists which is a whole other sad story we won't go into but um just a really, really phenomenal choir with a great director. And, you know, as an incoming freshman, you're just sort of blown away by it. And we used to joke in subsequent years that, you know, cause we would all come back like a week early and we'd say, oh yeah, we got to learn all this so we can scare the hell out of the freshmen. Um, but, you know, it was a good enough choir that could sight read well enough that we would sit down and we would sight read a piece and I'd be like, wow, that's great. Let's go do it now. And, mm. and then, you know, you would you would think that at that point I would have done this enough that I would have recognized that there's a reason why you rehearse and and yeah obviously it wasn't perfect but it was like this sounds really good we're you know let's go and yeah. and yet you know there's that difference between we just sight read this and yeah that sounded cool and actually making music when you know it well enough when it's gotten into your system and and you can have that kind of flexibility with it because sort of yeah. like what i was talking about earlier you know you don't need to look at the music so much so you could pay attention to the conductor you can kind of feel yeah. the vibe of the group and and all yeah. of that it's it, it yeah. took me a while before i actually understood that there was a real difference between rehearsing and and just singing and actually making music yeah, I mean, I think there's different levels. And, you know, you guys must have been pretty skilled to be able to go in and sight read stuff like that to the point where you felt like, you know, you could do it to some extent. But, you know, I'm talking about where people won't like, you know, this stop and start kind of, you know, mm -hmm. starting. It's like the beat is like you can't argue with the beat. Like the beat <laughs> is the thing that it, that we all it's our common ground. The beat will argue with you before you yeah. can argue. And, and the, the audience, <laughs> if you don't keep the beat, there's no, there's, there's no joy in it for the audience. It's the one thing we all want to just like tap our foot or move our body or do something. And, and if it's erratic, then, you know, it's, that's kind of like the bottom line to me. So, um, you know, so that's, there's probably is a certain level of, of enjoyment that could be had when you guys are just doing your first things and it's probably not bad but as you get it better and you do that stuff then the nuances and and it really then it isn't about singing the right notes in fact it may be about singing a surprise note or a wrong note or a different note or something it's then it's about how you sing and it's about how you feel and it's about you know it's it's really a, an experience of expression um more than it is of kind of duplicating uh notes yeah correctly. And I've always found that especially fascinating with jazz singers like Ella Fitzgerald or Louis Armstrong and the scat and how it just yeah. goes and it it has a life of its own, but it always comes back where it needs to be. I, I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. And, and the point of music for me is usually to take people on some kind of a journey, a musical, an emotional journey, right? Somewhere over the rainbow. Well, you know, somewhere like that's an expansive, just those mm -hmm. two notes. That I mean, man, that's that takes people places. Just that, you know, da 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 dum, right? Those, the, it, it's you know, we're talking two notes here. There's nothing magical. <laughs> or four notes. There's nothing very interesting happening there. You know, I always say with with playing guitar, 
like the left hand is just not interesting. It's all, everything happens in assuming you're right-handed in the strumming and in the emotion and the feeling and the tone and the, you know, like that's where it all happens. So, um, you know, so that's where all the expression is. But, and, and so interesting, I was going to, you know, where all the music is, that's what I was going to say. So they're almost to me a little bit interchangeable. So, terms, right? so when did you realize that this was something you wanted to do like for real, not just as lessons, not just as playing around on your own, but this is what I'm here to do with my life. Uh, well, I realized that in high school, because I was writing songs and I was putting on coffee houses for, you know, in the high school for me and my friends to play at and stuff like that. And then, you know, I've told this story so many times, I'm not sure if it's true, but I guess it is. <laughs> um, but, but when I was like 15 or something, I said, you know, dad, I, I decided I want to be a musician. I want to be a songwriter and I want to, you know, put out albums and that's what I want to do. And, and dad said, well, you know, it's great that you like music, Lowry, but it's not much of a way to make a living. And that, you know, kind of killed it for me. And it didn't, I'm not one of these guys. It's like, I'll show them, you know, it was kind of, I think after that, I just kind of doubted myself. And uh, I mean, I kept doing it. I kept playing, I kept writing songs, but I was, I'd write like a song a year or no, in, that's not true. In grade 12, I was like writing, a, you know, a song a night. And I had some friends around where, where like, oh, it's so great, man. And, you know, and I had just some love affair that was going wrong. And, you know, I had plenty to write about and <laughs> and plenty of adulation from my friends. But then I kind of started wanting to try and play in the bars and stuff. And I was just like the wrong guy because mm -hmm. I wasn't fun. These songs were kind of, you know, navel gazing folk singer songs and you couldn't nobody wanted to hear those in a bar in a ski area where i was you know working at when i got out of high school and and so there was just kind of like a lot of disappointment and and um kind of that kind of stuff but i but i never really stopped i mean i kept listening to music like crazy and i was all about it and i still identified i think that way and i would you know i did a couple of talent contests here and there at university and you know, got some, got some kudos enough to kind of keep myself going. Um, and then I spent four years living in Western Australia and in, in Perth, I went traveling after my kind of, when I was about 24 and Perth has this amazing music scene uh, because it's so isolated. It's on the West coast of Australia and, and really powerful, amazing uh, music scene. And when I first got there, um, I got invited. I hooked up with some people in the folk festival scene there. And, and this woman said, Oh, I'm playing at this festival next month. Would you sing with me? Would you perform this with me? And so I went and I, and performed with her and we got, you know, great, uh, had a great response and, and, um, Oh, I guess I had to, you know, stay longer. Anyway, long story short, I ended up staying in Perth for, about four years and I ended up playing in a lot of different bands, everything from like the folk scene and doing my singer songwriter thing to, uh, I had, a, there was a band that was called Tridempore. I was in, it was traditional and contemporary music together. We had like a concertina and an old guy playing harmonica and somebody else playing, a, um, uh, you know, two of us playing guitars and I guess I was violin, but, but, you know, doing this real, I loved the, the, um, versatility and the, 
the fact that we were doing such different kinds of music. And then I ended up playing in the sci-fi band and we were like, we were watching Doctor Who all the time and that it was synthesizers started coming out and it was like the new, new wave music was happening. And, and so, you know, you know, I wrote the UFO, where have you come from? You know, you know, it was, so it was, I just really liked a broad spectrum of music and learning to play and write in a whole bunch of different styles to me and, and all original music. And there was an audience for that there. That's so then I came back amazing. to Canada when I was like 28 and, and this friend of mine sat me down and he said, okay, Lowry, you know, he was into Amway and he was into goal setting and all this. <laughs> and he, he put, he, he sat me down and he said, what do you want to do with your life? If you could do what you wanted with your life, what would you do? And I didn't want to answer. I didn't, I didn't want to say, and he said, come on, what, what is it? And I said, well, whew, I get choked up now just saying it. He said, I said, I, I, want to, I want to be a singer. I want to be a performer. I want to write songs. I want to release albums. And, and you know, unlike my dad, he didn't, he said, well, what would, you know, what would you have to do to make that real? And I thought, well, I guess I need to write some songs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And so I set a goal to have enough of my own songs to do a night at, at this cafe, a soft rock cafe in, in uh, Vancouver. And then, you know, I did that in like, this is like 1982, 83, whatever, did that. And then it was like enough to have a full night of my own. And so I did that, wrote those songs, did that. And then it took me till like, I think I didn't release my first album uh, till like 92. You know, I mean, I was writing songs. I started to met some guys at a studio in like, you know, 87, but it was a, a slow bloom and it took a while. And, you know, but I just kind of kept at it. And, you know, now I have, you know, lots and lots. I've got nine albums. And that's just because I stopped making albums about 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, I'd still be doing it, I'd still release and record stuff. But, you know, there's no business model that makes any sense to be a folk singer now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I do my, I make, I do use songwriting for other things. That's amazing though, especially since, you know, you were talking about the, the slow buildup. I mean, did you get discouraged in there at all? Oh, all the time. No, no, I was, you know, it was, I would say the discouragement is and despair has been um, like this continuum through my life it's it's the one thing that i have been working so hard to overcome you know is constant despair of uh and i'm a pretty resilient guy you know and i've had a pretty charmed life so um but yeah i would say that uh you know i mean i never i never got a record deal i put out all my own albums myself um i've had i've had plenty of you know, plenty of rejection and, and, uh, due to this day, you know, uh, for that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I also managed to build a pretty solid following. I put out all those albums. I toured, uh, all through Canada and the U S Australia, you know, Europe. And I played, I didn't play stadiums. I played house concerts and folk clubs and, you know, some festivals and stuff, but relatively, uh, a pretty obscure career, right? Hey, if it works <laughs> well it you know in those days it worked you know you could with the model i mean now there's no model that works you know since now they've come in with streaming mm -hmm. because before you could make you know you could make a, it go if you sold tickets and you sold albums 
right? And and having said that, I did a house concert last couple of months ago, and I sold a lot of albums. I was like, wow, that's interesting. That hasn't happened for a while. Um, but for the most part, you know, this Spotify stuff, like they they give you, you have to get two hundred streams to get a penny out of Spotify. That's insane. Me, yeah, and the average wage at for the, at, at Spotify, I've been told, is one hundred and thirty six thousand dollars average wage for the you know employees there, but they won't pay the artists. So, you know, this whole model has always been like that, where people are, the artists are always getting the short end of the stick, uh, money-wise. And um, and now there is no model, and consumers aren't won't pay for money, or won't pay for music now. It right. used to be a product, now it's a service. We all do it. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that I can put on... I can listen to anything I want just on my phone. There's nothing I, I can't practically access for $10 a month or whatever Apple Music or those guys charge, right? So you can't blame people. But, right. you know, the artists, there's no model, you know, by which it makes sense for me to record and release a song. Yeah. Yeah. That's... You know, so so we all do it for, <sighs> for the love and for the need and, you know, all that stuff now, right? Yeah, and, but it upsets yeah. me that that people essentially don't get paid. Yeah. It bothers me. Well, it's worse than yeah. we don't get paid. It's like it costs, costs us money. Like the last song I recorded, I it's okay. I wrote it for my daughter. It was an important song to me. I wanted, you know, and I, I felt it was a good song. So I spent some money. I mean, I have a studio in here as well, so I can do it relatively cheaply. But I still hired some of my buddies and, you know, you get it mastered and you do stuff. So, you know, I still had at least 800 bucks into that song. Well, and then I made a video, you know, and that caught somebody else, you know, so, you know, then you've got 1500 bucks into a song and what do you get back? You know, mm-hmm. it would be under $10, yeah, under $10 in recouping. Right. Yeah. So, you got to really want to do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm paying for it. I'm basically paying you to listen to my songs if I record something, right? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I just, not to end up on that tangent, but no. I, it just bothers me that that we've decided that, first of all, that music is mostly background music for other things. And so we don't really even pay attention to it a whole lot. And therefore, ah, we don't need to pay for it. Yeah, it, it just well, even if you, you know, I mean, people I'm sure still listen to things and pay attention. I mean, I guess we do have that, you know, my parents' generation, um, there was no, you know, there was no kind of stereos and records and all that stuff. So people didn't have to be that good. I mean, you know, there every house had a piano, every mm-hmm. house had a violin, um, but music was. You know, I mean, it was for the kings that they had a guy come in and play the lute, you know, and they could have music or come. Somebody came in and sang, right? But it wasn't like really well mastered and EQ'd and recorded it. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, a couple months ago, I started and I haven't done it lately and it's been bothering me. I need to again. But I, I started just like every evening going on YouTube and pulling up some random piece of classical music you know sometimes i just put you know pick a composer's name out of thin air and just pick something and listening to it with headphones closing my eyes and just just really listening to it and feeling it and trying to just 
shut off my brain and and let it wash over me and it's been amazing and i just mm. find myself thinking you know my whole life well and lord knows you know i grew up in a classical only household so you can imagine how much i wanted to listen to classical music as a kid yeah. um but now it's just you know especially like big orchestral stuff that has lots of moving parts it's just like wow just like trying to notice all of those parts oh kind of shuts your head off anyway because you can't take it all in at the same time yeah. but it's been such a phenomenal experience and i i wish that more people would do it and i need to get myself back into it because i've fallen off of it a little bit but it's just you don't you don't notice if you don't make the effort to notice but when you do it's like wow there's all of this stuff here i mean even things that i love that i've heard a million times because you hear it a million times, you're like, oh yeah, it's that thing again. And and you're not, you know, you're driving down the road or you're making dinner or, you know, whatever it is you're doing. Right. And it's just so different when you actually sit down and really pay attention to it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't listen to much music because I just, I, because I don't like it that much for background. If I'm thinking about stuff, I just, mm -hmm. I, I find it really like, I, you know it's not i don't find it relaxing so i listen to music more to hear songs by people that i you know to get a sense of stuff and um i'm doing a songwriting mentorship right now with this woman uh down in la named uh, andrea stolpe and she's a you know multi-platinum songwriter and i'm trying to get out of develop my songwriting in new ways and and make it overcome become more playful and overcome a lot of my blocks and stuff like that and it's been great and so she gets us listening to stuff that i wouldn't normally listen to but i'm not going to listen to i'm going to really focus on a song or a few songs by somebody for a while but um the background music thing doesn't really work for me for the most part um so you know i mean it's it's one of those things where you want other people to buy your stuff but and listen to stuff, but you're not listening to anybody else's, you know? <laughs> yeah, it depends, though. I mean, I, I used to be able, you know, when I was in high school, my mom would come in and I'd have, you know, Duran Duran or the police yeah. or whatever playing. Yeah. And while I was doing homework or reading a book and she would say, how yeah. can you, how can you read while you're listening to this? And it was, it just didn't phase me. It was totally fine, but I can't do it anymore. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to listen to anything while I'm reading or working, it's got to be something without words at the very least. And even then that might be too much. So yeah, yeah, totally. I can do it. Like it's fun. I like it when, when my girlfriend comes over and we cook dinner together and stuff. And we like, I like having jazz on and stuff like that. You know, then it's kind of, it sets a mood. It lifts mm -hmm. things. I, and I never used to do that. And I'm really enjoying that now. But, uh, yeah, working wouldn't work for me. It's, you know, my focus, it, it would be distracting. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how you decided that you wanted to start writing songs for other people. Um, well, I do. Um, the, the songs that I write for other people are uh, power songs. They're, um, they're like a... Uh, a musical affirmation they're more like a, a mantra than they are a song i mean they're 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 a way of they're a delivery service for for an affirmation and so i'm really i love the idea of uh overcoming obstacles overcoming despair of 
you know, nipping those negative negative thoughts in the bud so that we can really, there's nothing we can't do. And, and the idea of saying yes to life and yes to the things that we want to do and yes to, you know, not saying, oh, yes, but it's not much of a way to make a living. You know, that Eeyore kind of thing. That line um, clearly has stuck with yeah. you. Yeah. Well, and because it's just dead wrong. I mean, right. my dad did that. He became an engineer. God knows what he would have loved to have done, you know. But um, but it, that whole idea of saying yes to your dreams and then, you know, and then, okay, like my friend said, so then what would you have to do to make that real, Right. And so then you're already on to like thinking, okay, what's a step I could take or do, you know, do that kind of stuff. So, so for me, I was really interested in, I have really interested in tools that help us get quickly out of the red zone of anxiety and fear and doubt and shame and all that stuff into a higher energy to, to the blue zone, to peace and faith and, and joy and all that kind of stuff. And so I was going through a divorce a few years ago. And this uh, friend of mine said, well, what, you know, my, my life was kind of in a shambles and I'm trying to reinvent myself and think about, you know, it was kind of a blank slate. Right. And, and she said, well, why didn't you do affirmations? And I said, cause they don't work. You know, they just, they just, all they do is start an argument in their head. And, and, you know, I won't say they won't work, but they do have that downfall that, mm-hmm. you know, you can say I'm a millionaire or a millionaire, but you're, if you're working, no, you're not, you're working at McDonald's idiot. You know, so so they create an argument, but she said, so why don't you write a song? And I thought, okay. So I wrote this song. And I just thought, I'm going to put everything in the song that I want, that I really want. Because like, and if I had my dream, uh, I would live on the ocean. I would have someone that loves me. I would have be doing meaningful work. This is what I want. So I wrote the song that went, I got a house on the water and someone to love. I laugh and sing and work and play. I'm living in the flow, helping people grow. Joy and adventure every day. And that was all there was to it. Oh, that's great. You know, but like within six months of that, I mean, it seemed impossible to me that I would have a house on the ocean. You know, it's like, yeah, you and you know, which other folk singers, <laughs> you know, and and then, but what it, but it's, then it's like, but that's what I wanted. You know, it's like, if you tell me, ask me what I want, that's what I would, you know, that's what I want. And then it's kind of like, well, actually, maybe, you know, there is a way I could do this. And, you know, you start thinking about possibilities that you don't think about when all you do is just that's never going to happen. And you just kind of mm-hmm. fall for those negative things. And so, you know, within six months, I was building this house with my sister and brother-in-law on this property that I made them buy 16 years ago, and they weren't ever going to do anything. But together we could do something, and I had experience in that, in in building and you know designing stuff and all that kind of thing. And like I didn't mind dealing with the architects and the builders and stuff like that. And and it was just a total win for everybody. And and so you know everything from that song just kind of started falling into place. So then people were saying, well, you know, I want a power song, and and so I I had. Like four or five people had all said that on the call and said, "Okay, well, and sure, I'll write a song with you guys, and you see how like how you like the process, and you know we'll, we'll do it." And it was magical for you know people to for me to be sitting there really listening to them really deeply and saying, "You know what? What do you want? And where do you?" And you know people are saying, "Well, I just want to feel like I'm enough." And it's like, "Well, you know, enough is okay, but you know, is that all?" And it's like. Well, actually, you know, the word magnificent comes to mind. 
And it's like, now you're talking, right? And so then we write this song, you know, I'm stepping into the magnificent me. And what's the magnificent me is not an egotistical, vain, self-centered person. A magnificent person is wise and generous and kind and creative and free. I mean, that's magnificence, right? And so, you know, what I would be really insistent about with people is that the words, because we have so few words in the song, is that these words had to really have a lot of trigger a lot of meaning for them. So when you say, um, you know, when you say I'm living in the flow, helping people grow, well, you know, what I mean, what does living in the flow mean? Well, it, it means I'm making money for one. It means, you know, I'm working with really great people. It means it's coming easily and freely. It means, you know, we love to work. I mean, so, you know, for me, even though I've only got five words or whatever that is for living in the flow for words, um, that for me personally has a lot of meaning that it wouldn't have to you, but it might mean something else to you. But these songs are personal anthems. And so, um, you know, so I'm pretty... uh, Often people are saying, oh, I'm happy. You know, I like the song. It's like, no, we, there's more. I know you've got more in there. There's more. What would be a better word? What would, you know, and so, um, so it's really a, a powerful process to really kind of have somebody listen deeply and help you. And, and, and because, you know, it's one thing to sort of want what you want, but then to give yourself permission to want it. Like to me, when I moved into this house, I felt guilty for the first year. They're like, who am I to have a house on the ocean in this, you know, in this fantastic place? It's like, this is, I, you know, I just, it, the idea of deserving, I don't really think we deserve things because why would I deserve it any more than somebody else? But it's like, I mean, at least if you're going to be here, be grateful and enjoy it and let that, you know, but to me, this idea that um, we can live lives that are, you know, really expansive and and fulfilling and fun and playful and joyful and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to have our, you know, our nose to the grindstone every day, like go without and suffer and martyr and, oh, no, I'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's not the way, there's no reason to live that way. No. And and I love the fact that it's not just, yeah, what do you want me to write a song about? But that you're actually you know, uh, interacting and digging oh, yeah. for the really, really good stuff. And I, yeah. I have to think that people probably feel seen in a way they haven't. Oh yeah. Because nobody else has ever asked them things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's so like, I could never write your power song for you. Like it just wouldn't, you know, I remember I did some, I do them for team building things with organizations sometimes. And I wrote with a few, a uh, few different hospice societies and I remember this one hospice I was writing with and they said, we definitely do not want the word healing in our song. We do not heal. People do not get healed. That's what it is. Like, okay, we will not have the word healing in this song. And then I went to a different one and they said, we want the word healing in this song because we heal. You know, people may not be able to, but there's a lot of healing that goes on. It's like, okay. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so personal mm-hmm. what that is. And, and so, you know, my job is kind of just to kind of help people dig you know dig it deeper and and to really get to the essence when they feel like they've really hit pay dirt right and and it's a really i mean it's so collaborative but it's also um 
I mean, it's really powerful for people because most people have kind of lost sight of their creativity or they never, they think they, you know, they think they can't sing, they think mm-hmm. they're not musical, they can't all But you know what? Once you start getting into it, they have opinions big time. It's like, <laughs> you know, you think you don't know anything about it. I thought you didn't know anything about writing songs. Like, how come we're having this discussion? And it's so like they insist that this word will not work or this one has to be in or that they want this. And then I say, well, you know, it would be nice to rhyme this though. You know, is there a word that we could use that would rhyme? Or or if we can't, let's change these words. You know, this is the structure. I want to write something that's catchy, something that's going to support you. So, you know, to me, I'm not going to write a crappy song. I, I, I have right. no interest in writing a crappy song. And once, but but if they understand what we're going for, then it's we're both on the same team. You know, I don't get in arguments with people. Right. It's, it's their song, but, you know, but you know, there's there's certain things that are going to make it a song that they love, right? Yeah, you know, I keep thinking of this as like a musical vision board. Yeah, totally. And the great thing about it is that unlike the vision board that you are not going to lug around with you all the time, you can have the musical vision board in your head all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking, you know, I can sit down and I can make myself a vision board in an afternoon. No big deal. Yeah. There it is. It's done. It, you know, sits on a shelf or or wherever I put it. But what you're describing sounds to me not only like people being seen for the first time, but also there's got to be something affirming about working with somebody else who's like, yeah, this is really good and not saying well, you know, you're not going to have trouble making a living at it. You know, like like there's, it, it feels like there's a permission oh, yeah. element to it. It's huge. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. I mean, the effect that my friend had on my life, I mean, for somebody to say, you know, it's the yes and, right? Mm-hmm. It's the yes and. and. And when we write together, that's exactly what it is. It's group flow. Like if you, you know, the qualities that it takes to get into flow are, are safety, are skin in the game, um, uh, complete focus, you know, clear goals. Yes. And is like key. Right. And my friend said, he didn't say, you know, you, you can't make a living. He said, what would it take? Like, what would you, you know, what would you, okay. That's, that sounds cool. What, what, what would you need? Well, I guess I need some songs. You know, I was like <laughs> that joke, like <laughs> your chances of writing a, a hit song are better if you've written a song. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah, I think when we have people that believe in us in that way, oh my God, it's just, you know, it's so key. But but this song allows you to become your own cheerleader because you put a stake in the ground and you say, you know, um, I'm, I'm brave enough to be the one that sees the light in others, the sparkle that ignites the flame so all of us can shine. From here to the horizon, I'm a beacon on the sea. I find joy in every moment. I'm bright, I'm strong, I'm free. There's a wide world out there waiting, and I'm so lucky to be me. And that you know, that's one I wrote for this woman, Anna Malikian, who's a, a coach. And uh, uh, and you know, I'm so lucky to meet me. What a you know, what a way to affirm yourself and to step into this other piece of who you are because you know what are you going to show up as the small version oh excuse me could you tell me the time or should i just go to hell you know (laughs) right yeah i mean these are all these are all versions of ourselves 
It's like it's just like which one of you, which you know, which Nancy, which Lowry is going to show up? The the little guy that you know that oh I could never do that, or the ones like hey what's happening? Let's go, right? right? Let's do it. Come on, you guys. And it's it's about presence. It's like how do you become and being in your power in the healthiest sense of the word, right? Yeah. 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 And, but speaking of vision boards, a lot of, a lot of my clients, I like once we write the song, then I record it for them. And um, so they have, you know, they have the recording that they can listen to and sing along with and dance to and do all that kind of stuff. But a lot of them will create a vision board to go with it, a, vi- a slideshow that, that goes with the song. And then, and I do that sometimes for some of my clients and I'll have it on a webpage and they can just bookmark it. They can just watch it anytime. Oh, that's and, cool. and it's got all these pictures that inspire them. So not only then, or then they get the visual as well. But audio is the thing. Audio mm-hmm. reaches the brain 100 times faster than visuals. Audio is the thing. Audio never dies. Like it's audio branding is don't get me started on why it's, <laughs> you know, why it's so valuable, why it's such a good investment. And, and you know, I do that for speakers and thought leaders and companies. I write theme songs for them. Um, these little jingles are, but the other thing too, is that it, you don't have to hear the whole song, you know, to trigger it. You just go somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, what's coming, right? I'm brave enough, right? I'm so lucky to be me. You don't have to hear the song, whole song, right? It's that's the, that's the power of audio is it triggers, it can trigger an entire sense of feeling and reconnection to who you are and, and your strength. And so it's a powerful tool, right? And when you wrote it, I mean, you could have your Katy Perry song and, you know, people say, oh, that's our song. But I'll tell you what, and, and I write them with couples sometimes for their anniversary or something. When it's their song, oh my God, the impact of that, oh, the yeah. meaning of that for them to put their relationship, for you to put your dreams into a song that's literally your song and it's your words man like that's why i don't do cover tunes because like my own songs just mean more to me right right and and i'll i'll be honest the hair on my arms is standing up just just hearing you talk about this and i'm wondering like do you usually record the song for people or are they yeah. part of the recording process? Do they sing it with you or? Uh, I mean, on the, when we're writing it that day, yeah, they might sing with me, but ultimately I make them kind of a vocal and guitar uh, version. And then if they want, uh, uh, I can give them a version without my vocal so they can just sing with things. Sometimes a lot of my clients will want to have me produce a more like a studio quality version that has bass and drums and, electric guitars and background vocals sounds like a radio hit, which mm-hmm. I love doing. Um, so then, you know, I want them to sing, right. But I also want them to have a clean recording mm-hmm. of the song with the words and the melody, because part of it is like, I want them to learn the melody that we write. Like we make decisions. The melody has a, has a point, right? Like it's, it's a very different experience to go down, bada, moon river wider, you know, than to go moon river wider than a mile. You know, it's, it's like, that's a small river, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I, and then these nuances of the melodies are the things to the, to me make them beautiful. And so when we're writing them, we're making decisions and it's like, okay, you guys know, we decided that we were going to go up there, not down. So did you forget about that or did you change your mind? Because like, I want to make decisions about how this melody is going to go. And that's, 
you know, we're, we're deciding not just on the words, we're deciding on the melody, we're deciding on the chords. This is like, this is a, this is a creation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one that you want to last for a long forever. time. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I love this idea so much. I mean, yeah. I've loved it since I first heard of it, but I love it even more now. Oh yeah. It's so fun. It's just like, I mean, I used to do these with kids, right? And, and um, that was where I got, I sort of started doing this because I, uh, uh, I would go into a classroom of like 35 kids and, you know, 8.30 in the morning and we'd have two and a half hours to have this song ready to record and perform for the whole school that afternoon. And, 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 you know, it was kind of, kind of daunting to, to do this, but I'll tell you every single time. And we'd be at like, okay, you guys, it's 1130 and we need another verse. We got 15 minutes, you know, and it's like, don't dis- you know, disappear now. And um, so, you know, we'd just hunker in and, and we'd write it and it would just, and when we're done and we'd finish the recording, the cheer that would go up from <laughs> everybody of accomplishment and joy that, that we had created this thing together, right? It was just like, it, I don't think I've ever done one where that feeling of, okay, yes, now all the ducks are in a row and everything, everything works. And we fought hard to make this happen, right? Do you find that, that the process of writing the song brings out that same kind of energy even yeah. though you're not dealing with kids. Yeah, because it's a bit of a roller coaster coaster. Like it starts off, you know, it starts off well and then it kind of doesn't go well for a while. You know, you're stuck and you get discouraged. And and so I used to think that that meant I was incompetent and I didn't know what I was doing. But what I realized about uh flow when I did this flow course and and one of the the, the second stage of flow is struggle. Right. So the first thing, you know, you're putting, you're getting, putting, uh, getting ideas and assembling stuff and, you know, acquiring assets. And then you start putting them together. And this is what Einstein did. And this is what, you know, all these guys did. And then they would be stuck. And then he would go sailing. You know, Einstein would go sailing or he'd go rowing or he would do something. And so with the kids, typically what I would do would say, okay, um, I'm depressed. Let's, you know, we're going to take a break and we're all going to do it. Or we might run out into the field and do a, a, a leap, a lap around. But, but, and sometimes when I'm on a Zoom call and I'm writing with people, it's just like, okay, let's just take 60 seconds, literally. And I'd walk out on my deck and thinking like, oh, this is not going well. You know, we're not going to get this. And I'm discouraged and I'm worried and stressed, you know. And I walk out and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I know. Right. Or and then we come back in and, and we would have this breakthrough. So that's kind of how the thing works, which is and it's because you you this is not easy. Right. This is not like we're, we're not just taking the first one that comes along. We, we have to, we're writing an important song. That's a true song. That's a courageous, brave song that hangs together really well. Like, I mean, I'm proud of that song. I just saying I'm brave enough, you know, and Anna was happy with that song earlier on. You know, she would have quit. 20 minutes before it was done. And I said, no, Anna, I think we can, I think we can make this better. And so, you know, she trusted me and we hung in there. And by the end, she's like, oh my God, I just am so glad we didn't just settle for, because I kind of liked it. But now she just like, I mean, she sings this song every morning, you know, and um, it's an important part of, of her life, you know, 
So, yeah. yeah. Songs get into our DNA in a way that, that yeah. other things don't too. So that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's never leaving. No, but yeah. you're right. You know, there's always that point where you get stuck. It's just part of the creative process. It happens to everybody. But it, like you say, a lot yeah. of people are like, Oh, I'm doomed. I'm not, I'm no good at this. I'm, and that's, that's when they know. quit. Right. Yes. And so yeah. for me, I never had that luxury. Right. So in my own process, that's where I quit. Right. But because I was writing, I was paid to come in and I had to deliver a song. It had to be recorded. It had to, we had to perform it that afternoon and then teach it to the whole school at the end of my show. So it was like, there's no discussion. 21, there are 21 ways to bug your teacher. My dog <laughs> gave my homework. It's like, this is the, this is the title. Let's just write the, write the song and it better come. It better be true. I mean, I got a note from this woman, this woman the other day. She said, oh, we wrote, you were at my school in grade six and we wrote that song. Hope is like a chicken. Can you, can you send me, do you have a copy of it? Right. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, that song. Like, I mean, hope is, I, they came up with this title. It's like, you guys, I don't know any way in which hope is like a chicken, but okay. So we're going to prove, you know, we've got to prove this thing. Right. Cause we had to write the song then because we're in. And, and that was kind of, you know, when I sent her the song and she said, well, it's, you know, it's not quite as good as I remember it, but I said, but I'd still love it, you know, and this is 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that, but, but my point are what we're talking about here is the fact that we don't have the luxury of giving up at that struggle stage because right. we're committed in those situations. And we also have each other, you know, mm-hmm. when you have another person and it's like, I don't know what to say. Well, you know, why don't you, how about if we said this, it's like, yeah, well, that's kind of getting, you know, and then you're, you're back in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you go into schools, you have a couple hours. How long does it take when you work with an individual person usually to write a song? Oh, it depends. I've done some in like half an hour. Oh, wow. That have been really good. And I've I've had some that have taken three hours. Yeah. Normally, normally it's pretty 90 minutes kind of wow. like is about what we, we usually do. Because they do a bunch of prep. I send them the deep dive worksheet and they've had time to think about things and write about it. And so we already have a whole bank of words and phrases and stuff to draw on. Mm-hmm. I've asked them to identify some music that they like. So I get a sense of what kind of what they'd like it to feel like and, you know, the energy that we want it to have. Um, and we've had a conversation ahead of time. So, you know, there's a, a bit of a process that we go through. And um to prep it. So, you know, we're not coming in totally cold, but I've done them with a couple of people where we came in totally cold and we wrote great songs that, that I loved and they loved. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause I was expecting you to say, Oh, it's a couple of weeks or at least it's a couple of days. No, no, no. But if we want to make changes, like I always do a follow-up session, I give them a singing lesson. I get, I send them the sheet music. I get sheet music of the song that they can frame and hang somewhere. So they sing it every day. Um, I, what I really want to do is support people in keeping the song alive and making sure they use it. So, uh, I always do a follow-up session a week after, and then usually a month after we get talk again. And, and then, uh, so if there's, if they want to make changes, we can, I, cause I don't really care if we need to spend more time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to make sure that they love their song. Right. And I love the idea that that you're making sure that they keep it alive. It's kind of kind of a symbiotic thing, right? Because the song in many ways is keeping them alive and yeah. they have to keep the song alive. And that that's yeah. 
Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's the whole idea of just kind of ritualizing it and, and having it there. And, you know, and the songs take on a different meaning. Like for me now that I have a house on the water and someone to love, it doesn't feel like an aspirational song. It, it feels like living proof that I can have these things that I dream of. You know? Have you written yourself another one since? I've ri- I write myself new ones periodically for certain things at certain times, you know. <laughs> but, um, and then I sing other people's songs all the time, the ones that I've written with other people, because they really apply to everybody. A lot of times they, you know, a good song does. Mm-hmm. Like, specific to you, but it's also... You know, I'm, I am calm, I am strong, I am well, I'm perfectly in tune, I thrive in all I do, love is what my life's about, and I'm beautiful inside and out. I mean, I wrote that with a woman who had just had a double mastectomy, and she was, you know, trying to survive cancer, and that Mm -hmm. was based on her affirmation, but, you know, I'm calm, I am strong, I am well, you know, we can all, we all need that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, I simultaneously want to say touchstone and grounding and maybe they're the same thing and maybe they're sort of variations on the same theme, but it, it, that, that's what it feels like to me. It's like this thing that I can go back to when I need a little encouragement, when I want to celebrate that something happened, when, whenever, you know, I need a little extra oomph. Yeah. I have this song. I yes. I absolutely love that idea. Thanks, thanks, Nancy. <laughs> it's really great to have do. it affirmed. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's definitely on my list. I save enough pennies. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, let's talk. Yeah. Hey, I have a payment plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never like money to be the reason that people don't do it. Right. No, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah, especially been... people like you that are just, you know, the kind of people that I want to work with, you know, I love, I, love, I would love to do that with you. So let's, we'll talk about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, this has been such a cool conversation and I hope that, that it inspires other people to think about what they would like to have as a song or even to give you a call and see what, what that might mean. Cause I, I'm starting to think everybody needs to have their own song. Yeah, well, you know, you won't get an argument from me. Of course not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but you can go to powersongs.ca, and um, there's my website, and people can are welcome to book a free twenty minute call with me, and just you know talk about it and see if it's fit. Cool. Well, I hope that they will because I think this is a great idea and something that makes the world a little bit better one person at a time. So yeah. Thanks for coming and talking to me about it. Yeah, my pleasure. That's our show. My thanks to Lowry Olufsen for joining me and to you for listening. Please leave a review of the show and in it, tell us about a meaningful musical experience you had. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. I appreciate it so much. It really helps the show find new listeners. If this episode resonated with you, don't forget to get in touch on any of my social platforms or even via email at nancy at fycuriosity.com and tell me what you loved. And if you're feeling a little bit less than confident in your creative process right now and you haven't yet signed up for my free email series on six of the most common creative beliefs that are messing you up, please check it out. 
It'll untangle those myths and help you get rolling again. You can find it at fycuriosity.com. And there's also a link right in your podcast app. See you there and see you next week. Follow Your Curiosity is produced by me, Nancy Norbeck, with music by Joseph McDade. If you like Follow Your Curiosity, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really helps me reach new listeners. Thanks. Thanks.